0: Hello everyone, I'm Harrison and I'm Rachel. This week we're talking about how we found out that Rachel was pregnant in weeks zero to eight of pregnancy. So stay tuned and join us on our journey to meet baby Baby H. H.
1: Well, welcome everybody. This is our first ever podcast episode. So as a quick little intro to who we are, I am Rachel, and my co-host here is my husband, Harrison. And we've been together for about four years, married for about a year, and we're so excited to take you along with us through the journey of meeting our first baby and all the things we'll learn along the way.
0: We know that we're not experts by any means, but we hope that you can laugh alongside us and learn from our mistakes.
1: And our last name starts with H, so until we know the name of our little tyke, we'll continue with baby H. So for now, let's get started and talk about how we found out that I'm pregnant.
0: So at the very beginning of this year, we decided to take a pretty long trip to Disney World. So we were probably there about a week. And I'd say about halfway through it, Rachel was thinking that it was about time for her to get her period. And it just never really happened. So while we were there, we talked a lot about it. And you know, when we got home, we decided that Rachel should go ahead and take a test.
1: I really did not want to get my period that week.
0: It is kind of funny because all the time, whenever we go travel, it seems like that's when Rachel gets her period, like consistently. It never fails.
1: Yeah, and who wants to do that while they're at Disney World and on their honeymoon? So Anyway, once we got back home, um, I took one of those cheap paper tests that you get from Amazon, and both of the lines started to show up immediately. And I freaked out because I didn't think it would show up that fast. Everything you hear is like two to three minutes, and so yeah, I Yeah, w- th-
0: these paper tests they're like dirt cheap too. And they came in a box. I think there's like 40 of them. So we were kind of wondering how well
1: do they actually work. Right. And they had ovulation tests and pregnancy tests in them. And we didn't have a good uh track record with the ovulation tests. But um I went back to bed and I told Harrison I just took a test. I'm very anxious right now, and he was still...
0: I was still my very normal, sleepy self in the morning and didn't want to think about it. So I just said, go back to bed, and we'll deal with it later.
1: (laughs) But after three minutes, I went and checked, and there were definitely two lines there. So we decided that we should take a step-up, higher-quality pregnancy test. And I just remember Harrison was very thoroughly reading these instructions.
0: Yeah, which... Rachel thinks it's all funny and everything, but I've never had to take a pregnancy test. I don't know all the instructions and, you know, the rules behind taking them. And Rachel's constantly talking about how you could have a positive pregnancy test for other reasons besides being pregnant. And so, like, well, how would you even know? And plus, there's different ways to take the test. You you always hear that people pee right on a stick. But then if you, you know, peered into our bathroom, Rachel has this little Dixie cup full of pee. It's like, okay, that doesn't seem right. And there's also a bunch of rules about how soon should you actually take a test.
1: Yeah. And you always refuse to go in the bathroom when I had my pee cup sitting out.
0: Yeah, you would leave it (laughs) on the counter for like hours it felt like
1: well i wanted to make sure i didn't need it again and for this circumstance i did need it again yeah
0: well you could just pee again
1: (laughs) well i had already peed for the morning so it was going to be another few hours and i did not want to wait so i you know dipped the stick in the cup and the second test was positive so i messaged my doctor and then we had to wait because it was a saturday and nobody's working on a saturday well Our doctor is certainly not working on a Saturday.
0: But since you're so impatient, we actually went right back to the store and bought another set of pregnancy tests. Not the ones that have the little lines or whatever, because apparently those can be confusing to read. But we got the one that like, it actually says the word pregnant.
1: And I feel like every woman like has that moment of like, you take that digital test where it says pregnant and... I wanted that moment.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you wanted that moment for a long time because I think that the stick is still in the nightstand sitting there. Yeah. (laughs) So after waiting the entire weekend, the next thing was to go and see a doctor. And, you know, Rachel really early on had been talking about how her side had been hurting kind of along her back. She messaged her family doctor here And they, you know, sent referrals so that you could go see an OB, but most places won't get you in until eight or 12 weeks. So that was a pretty long time to wait. And Rachel was really worried about that side pain.
1: And at this point, I would have been five weeks in one day, like that Monday when all the doctors opened up again, I was five weeks in one day.
0: Yeah. So because it was going to be such a long wait and Rachel's real worried about this side pain, she decided to go to her OB from before we moved, because we had pretty recently moved due to me getting a new job. So we hadn't really taken a whole lot of time to set up new doctors here. So we drove probably about two hours away to go see a doctor just to talk about this side pain. They actually did a little ultrasound and were basically able to confirm that Rachel was pregnant. There's a gestational sac, right? It's just kind of like this tiny little bulb on the screen. Mm And they also were able to check, and they noticed that Rachel actually had an ovarian cyst, um, which is actually fairly common to happen. It's not something that doctors are too concerned about unless it gets bigger.
1: And they actually were able to figure out that the cyst was on my right side. And then later, when we went to our OB that we have now, she said it looks like you ovulated from your right ovary. So it's just kind of cool how they could figure that out. By then, the cyst was completely gone, but she was still able to tell.
0: Yeah, so the doctor that was two hours away decided that they'd take some blood work and they'd check Rachel's HCG level, which is basically the pregnancy hormone. Like when you take a pregnancy test, that's what the pregnancy test is actually measuring is the amount of HCG that's in your pee.
1: And it should double every 48 to 72 hours. Um, so they took my blood that day. And then I got a referral to go somewhere back in our hometown. And two days later, had blood work done again. And it did double. So things were growing and moving in the right direction.
0: Yeah, because of that referral, we were actually able to go and see a doctor at six weeks when they wouldn't have gone and saw us until eight weeks.
1: And I think first pregnancy too, they wanted to... Yes, a little bit earlier because there's so many questions that you have.
0: Yeah. And it was really nice because that first appointment, they were able to talk through, you know, some things that we needed to start thinking about, but also just basic questions that we had and like, what are you and are you not allowed to eat? You know, what other things are going to change because of this? But first, before we actually could go, we needed to find an OB in the area that we wanted to go to. And we're we're still dealing with COVID. So there's a lot of restrictions in a lot of places. And we found that a lot of OBs in the area will not let anybody but the patient go to any appointments.
1: Right. And it was really important that Harrison was able to come with me because, first of all, it's both of our baby. It's our first baby. And I want us to have that experience together. Um, So we were able to find somebody that would let Harrison, come with me. And then also you want to make sure your insurance covers everything. And those were the two big check marks for us. We found a group practice. So every time we go, we see somebody different.
0: Yeah, the practice probably has about 10 doctors, but then there's also a really large list of midwives. And one of the things that was appealing to us about that is that Um, no matter what, whenever you contact them, they have people that are on call. Whenever you go into labor, there's actually multiple hospitals that you could go to that they have doctors there. So basically every time you go to an appointment, we see somebody totally different, but that person could be the person that delivers our kid when it comes time.
1: And labor and delivery is so unpredictable. So it's important for me to feel comfortable with whoever we End up with as our doctor that day. And we know that it will be somebody from that practice. um, And we're going to have the chance to meet all of them.
0: Yeah. And if you ever needed a second opinion on anything else, there's plenty of them all right there. And we both really like that the practice is kind of run like a small practice. It's just that they have a lot of people and a lot of resources around them.
1: And everyone is so nice.
0: Yeah. So, after our six-week appointment, basically said everything looks good and you're good to go. And we just have to sit around and wait for two more weeks before our next appointment. And those weeks felt so long, you know, partly because we had just come back from a big trip, but then we want to get really excited about the possibility of having a kid. And, you know, we are excited, but we also know that there's a big possibility of miscarriage.
1: It's such a mental game because. You don't want to get attached, but at the same time, you're already attached, and so you're just kind of going back and forth of like, I want to be excited about this, I want to tell people about this, but I could get my heart broken at any moment, and that's really scary.
0: Part of the telling people, the big worry with that is, if you tell people, if you tell a bunch of people, then if you have a miscarriage, you have to go and tell all those people that you're not having a kid, which really is, you know, it's really sad to begin with that you're not having a kid. But then to have to have this conversation with all these other people, it just, you know, it just seems like it would make it a lot worse for us. So we were not really telling anybody, just the two of us, until we could go to that eight-week appointment and actually see that there is a kid, there is something that is growing inside.
1: And everyone has to decide for themselves because some people really want their family to be with them every step of the way good or bad Um, but I think we're kind of more private people and so for us when it was that early on we were wanting to keep it to ourselves
0: yeah after the eight-week appointment which they do an ultrasound and you get to see them they get to tell you whether there's one or more thankfully there's just one and um, (laughs) you know you get to see them and you get to take home a little picture which is really cool and we decided that after that we were gonna go ahead and just tell our parents. That way we could talk to them. Plus we were um our lease was just about up, so we were actually considering moving again. And that's something that our family was able to help us with.
1: Yeah. And the little type kind of looked like a little fish <laughs> because they don't have legs yet. They have a little tail, but they do have arm nubs and a head and a clear body. So that was cool to see. We saw the heartbeat, and for us, that meant they're alive, and we wanted to share that with the people that were closest to us.
0: Yeah, you can't actually hear a heartbeat, but you get, do get to see it, so there's a little audiogram that shows up on the monitor, and they can tell you a number, and I don't really remember what it was, but it's really, really high. Like when they're that little, their heartbeat is just so crazy fast.
1: Yeah, so on top of the fear of like losing the baby at any second, you also have this fear of like the things that you did before you knew you were pregnant. Um we were at Disney World so I was drinking alcohol, I was riding roller coasters. Um, but basically, what our doctor said is they're pretty well protected in there and don't need full nutrients from you at that point. So as long as you make good choices after you find out, you should be in a pretty good place.
0: With alcohol and smoking, and you know, really a lot of the other things they're worried about with the baby, it's more about prolonged exposure. And so if you had a couple of drinks beforehand, they said don't worry about it at all. You know, um, with there's a lot of other food. Things that are weird, like you can't eat raw meat and like soft
1: cheeses. Yeah, and
0: really that concern is that they want to make sure that you don't get a foodborne illness because that could be passed on to your kid. And so that's really more of a a cautionary thing. Um, But a lot of the food here, like in the U.S., is really well regulated. Most things are pasteurized. And so it's not too big of a concern, but it's still something to keep in mind. Yeah. It was really reassuring when we were talking to the doctor, and really a lot of doctors, like resources from doctors we've seen, have really tried to emphasize the point that you can't cause a miscarriage. There is nothing that you can do that is 100% guarantee that you're going to have a miscarriage from it. And that's really reassuring, but there's also the flip side of that, that it also means you can't really do anything to prevent it.
1: Yeah, so I was definitely holding my breath for a good while. I felt a little better after we saw the heartbeat at that eight-week appointment. I think your chance drops down significantly, but still making it to 12 weeks was such a huge milestone for us.
0: You know, in that time, it I don't think it was immediate. Like, it probably was like around seven or eight weeks. You did start to experience symptoms.
1: Yes, so I had unbearable nausea. And I think during the the seventh week, I threw up like every day. (laughs) And I hate throwing up. I don't regularly get sick. And so for me, that was the worst thing in the world that I could have to go through. I could pretty much cry every time I threw up. But Harrison was really good about he'd always knock on the door and have a little cup of water waiting for me after he could tell that I was done puking for the moment.
0: Yeah, what's pretty crazy about morning sickness is you always hear about it. I feel like it's the symptom that everybody talks about. Whenever you see somebody that's pregnant, it's always like, oh, like, have you been sick? Like, how have you been doing? And it's really poorly named. Like, it's called morning sickness, but you actually, like, I don't think Rachel was really that sick in the morning. It was really closer to like lunch or the very end of the day. Yeah. I'd say it's probably more when Rachel was hungry.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: we just knew that when Rachel said she was hungry, we needed food that moment.
1: Yeah. And we did have one disaster and I will never, I will probably never eat a Dilly bar from Dairy Queen again.
0: Yeah. Which it was pretty sad because Rachel really wanted ice cream and She went into the Dairy Queen to pick it all up, and I was sitting waiting in the car, and I was expecting her to come out with two blizzards. And she comes out with two blizzards and two boxes, like two big boxes of dilly bars. And it was the very first one. Like, I think she ate one, and that was when the disaster happened. Mm. And, well, I had to eat the rest of them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You poor thing. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so I mean, I don't really think there was a whole lot of other symptoms, but what was really nice about our doctor's office is that when Rachel was having a lot more nausea and it was becoming an issue where like no food was staying down.
1: I think I had gone over a day without being able to eat and I would eat a saltine cracker and be gagging.
0: And so because that is definitely an issue. We were able just to call the doctor's office and they have a 24 hour helpline. So if you call and just ask a question or you can actually send them a message through their apps, they will have a doctor call you back with, you know, answers and things that, you know, they could be a basic question like, you know, I don't know if I'm allowed to eat this or, Hey, I noticed this thing. Should I be worried about it? And they'll help take care of you. But we were able to make that phone call and, that we actually had a prescription for Rachel within 24 hours to help with the nausea.
1: Yeah. And we had, we went to the dancing with the stars tour that night. So I was very thankful that we got that medicine just in time. Like I think I went and picked it up, came and picked you up and we went to the concert.
0: Yeah. And there, there's some other like home remedies for nausea that we did try. So there's a vitamin, I think it's the B6 vitamin that people really say helps with, um, really say that it helps with nausea, but you it's not, I wanna say that when you go to the pharmacy and pick up like B6 vitamins, it's like the capsule is way too big. Like you're not supposed to have that much of it.
1: Well, I also could only find the B complex, which is all the Bs and I really only need a B6.
0: Yeah, so they make these things called preggy pops that Rachel had heard a lot about, said that they were like really, really helpful And we ordered a ton of them. Like, I think that they came in like this three pack of like 45 a piece. And Rachel maybe ate two and she hates them. She just thinks they taste horrible.
1: But I don't know if it's because they actually taste horrible or if I was just so miserable that everything tasted horrible.
0: Yeah, so there's, you know, there's that. They make a couple other things that are like, you know, similar to that. I actually think that Jolly Ranchers worked really well. Like, you, you t- oh. went through tons of Jolly Ranchers.
1: Yes. Jolly Ranchers are amazing.
0: <laughs> I think just a lot of people will say, you know, if you have an upset stomach, like, even when you're not pregnant, that just having, like, a hard candy or something to suck on is really, really helpful.
1: Yeah. And the preggy pops are, like, the healthy version. They have, like, less sugars and dyes and things. So if you're into that, like, they're definitely worth a try. But for me, I couldn't do it.
0: Yeah, they're all, like, sour flavors, too. It's... I mean, they basically are a healthy version of Jolly Ranchers that have they have higher amounts of I think it's ginger and B six that they try to really pump in there to help with nausea.
1: Yeah, and ginger tea did help. I had that a couple times.
0: Yeah, so there's a couple different things, but what Rachel was able to determine for her is that it was all related to iron. So Rachel actually has two prenatals. One of them is like a gummy that's really chewy, and then one is a one was a pill that actually was prescribed by the OB. The one that's a pill has iron in it, and the gummy one does not.:
1: And I would rotate them every other day, so I would still get the iron, but I was noticing that it was making me the iron was making me more sick, so I would. Try to balance it out, but eventually it got to the point where I just couldn't take a prenatal at all. And I think now I'm taking the Flintstone gummies.
0: <laughs> yeah, which Rachel is convinced that if you eat two of them, they work as a prenatal, but...
1: That's what I've heard.
0: Yeah, we're not doctors, so, you know, take it with a grain of salt. But Rachel's <laughs> convinced that two Flintstone gummies is the equivalent of a prenatal.
1: And they taste more like fruit snacks, and I think that's what I need. <laughs> yeah.
0: Other than bad symptoms of the pregnancy, Rachel definitely started getting cravings really early on. I am convinced that whatever she was craving is the thing that I least wanted for dinner.
1: And whatever Harrison wanted for dinner, I was repulsed by.
0: Yeah. Like, I have never, ever ate so much mac and cheese in my
1: life. (laughs) Mac and cheese, still to this day, is just, it smacks. And I've been reading that... Um, people have been saying that your baby really favors the foods that you crave while you're pregnant. So I'm hoping
0: this is not true.
1: Harrison doesn't like to make mac and cheese. So if this little baby loves mac and cheese, there's going to be some conflict.
0: Yeah, and I don't really have a problem (laughs) with mac and cheese. Mac and cheese is fine. I do not like doing the dishes for mac and cheese because... It's just nasty.
1: Yeah. But right now, Panera mac and cheese is my favorite, and I'll get the large bowl, and it is so good.
0: Yeah. But you got to be careful with Rachel, because these cravings, every time we go somewhere, she wants to order two and a half meals just for herself, and then she only eats half of one.
1: Yeah. I feel like my stomach is getting smaller, but when I'm hungry, I feel like I need to eat everything.
0: Yeah, and but then you give her everything, and she will not. So we've gotten a little bit more stern about regulating what Rachel can order, you know, and, you know, like, meals like Wendy's 4 for 4, stuff like that, that it offers, like, a wide variety of stuff in small portions seems to be the win, but not everywhere does stuff like that.
1: Well, Mr. Financial Numbers over here was obviously worried about the cost because we're wasting all this food, but...
0: We you also I, just shouldn't be wasting food.
1: Well, yeah, but it got to the point where I was like, you just need to tell me no, because when I'm in the middle of my hanger.
0: It is hanger.
1: I, <laughs> I just want to eat everything in sight.
0: Yeah, so food has definitely been something that's totally different for Rachel.
1: Yeah, like things that I haven't wanted in a long time, like ramen noodles. That was like a college favorite, and now I am I eat them all the time again.
0: You know, we hear a lot about people that are like, you need, you need to eat all of these really healthy things because it's great for your kid that, you know, you're growing, and the nutrients that you take in are going to that kid. And it's something to think about, but at the end of the day, if you can't keep those things down, some food, even if it's junk food, is better than no food.
1: Yeah, just eat what you can eat, and I definitely took that advice. And somehow, I didn't gain any weight this first trimester.
0: Yeah, a lot of people say, like, you know, they're like, oh, well, you're growing a human in there. You can eat for two. And they actually don't recommend that, I don't think.
1: (laughs) You're only supposed to eat, like, an extra, like, quarter of what you eat. But, um, yeah, with all the puking I was doing, I think I was counteracting all the junk I was eating.
0: Yeah, and it's not uncommon for people to lose weight in the first trimester. Yeah. Yeah. So with all that in mind, we're really excited to go on this journey and get to share it with you.
1: Next time, we're going to talk a little bit about trying to conceive in our fertility journey.
0: Thanks for joining
1: us. See you next time.